nonprofit advocacy group Kansas Appleseed, one in six residents of Southeast Kansas is food insecure, and a stunning one in four children in the region is food insecure. That's the topic of Appleseed's new report, Hunger in Southeast Kansas, and the topic of this week's Kansas Reflector podcast. I'm Reflector Opinion Editor Clay Wyerson. So I am joined today by Haley Kotler, the thriving campaign director for Kansas Appleseed Center for Law and Justice, and Caleb Smith, the inclusive campaign director for Kansas Appleseed. Hello to Haley and Caleb. Hey, Clay. Thanks for having us on. Well, thanks for being here. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about your new report about hunger in Southeast Kansas. So let's just start off by saying, by asking why this report, why now, uh, what brought up this topic for you guys? Absolutely. Um, You know, Kansas Appleseed on our thriving campaign, we are committed to ending hunger in Kansas. We want to build thriving communities. And um, in the last couple of years, you know, with the pandemic and everything else, we have seen uh, hunger exacerbated in Kansas. And so we begin to look statewide, what does hunger look like? Um, During the pandemic, one in five Kansans was going hungry. That was almost one in four Kansas kids. Um, and, And we knew that we had to do something. And so then we started looking regionally and and kind of took a regional approach. And um, right now the numbers in Southeast Kansas are staggering. Um, One in five Kansas, um, Southeast Kansans is going hungry. Uh, One in four Kansas, uh, sorry, Southeast Kansas kids are going hungry. And so we knew um, this is really a part of the state that we need to focus on. Additionally, Caleb is uh, based out of Pittsburgh. So we have staff down there um, that has been facilitating conversations and talking to Southeast Kansans over the last three or four years um, and is hearing some similar things, right? That um, there is a lot of poverty. Folks can't pay their utility bills. Um, Folks are really struggling. So when we're talking about uh, Southeast Kansas, um, what is the region? What what counties are we talking about? Go ahead, Caleb. I'll go now into that. Um, So it's basically the bottom nine counties is how I define it. Um, which I can just read those out real quick. Um, got Allen County, Bourbon, Crawford, that's where I'm at, Cherokee, Labette, Wilson, Woodson, Montgomery, and Neosho counties. And, and Caleb, I, I think I cut you off here. You were about to, to talk about the kind of the motivation behind the report as well. Oh, right. Well, I was just going to sort of reiterate a little bit of what Haley said, but I've been down here in Southeast Kansas for coming up on three years now, I'm working for Kansas Appleseed. And so we kind of realized that um, you just are looking around the region and you know, we have been building up all these contacts and just been meeting with all these people. And, you know, we were just sort of realizing just this story just needs to get told now. It, it just seemed beyond time for us to sort of start that regional specific um, sort of approach and sort of bringing in all these great contacts of people telling us directly, you know, this is what we're experiencing. This, these are the problems, these are the barriers. Um, and maybe start looking and trying to find some solutions to those issues. And Caleb, what you're talking about is a little bit of a different approach, right? For how a nonprofit might pull together a report like this. So tell me a little bit about that. Right. It, 
it is a little bit of a different uh, way of doing things. So one of the things that we did to sort of start off and to lead our sort of uh, research, we have all the data analysis and the poll and all that sort of things that um, nonprofits usually sort of uh, do when they do these reports. They they do some, they pull some stats, they look at that and they make recommendations based off that. But we started a little bit differently. We, um, I, I guess, um, went into the community and we started going to things like Eat Well Crawford County and um, food policy councils and just sort of asking questions and asking people, you know, can we meet with, um, you know, some of your clients if you work at a nonprofit, um, asking clients directly like who are on SNAP and other sort of uh, food resources. You know, can we do an interview? Can I come in and, and talk to you either, you know, outside of your house or, you know, just at a coffee shop or wherever and just sort of talk this through in these 30 to 45 minute interviews so that we sort of uh, flushed out all this policy research with actual stories on the ground of things that people were experiencing but don't necessarily show up in statistics. Um, so one of the things that we heard a lot was that um, child support cooperation was an issue, which it's sort of hard to put in a statistic of why that's a problem. But when you talk to 10, 15, 20 people and every single story is along the lines of, well, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. Um, or, you know, maybe that's not gonna be safe for me or my children. Um, that might bring up some, you know, sort of uncomfortable, unsafe situations for, for my family. Um, which is sort of hard to, you know, quantify or things like I had several people say, you know, these, these, uh, these SNAP benefits, these, uh, these food programs, they're very cookie cutter, one size, you know, fits all. Um, I met with people who are, you know, kind of like my size, right? They're six, four, six, five, 300 pounds. And they're like, I need a little bit more food than, um, you know, someone who's maybe 120 pounds or maybe they're from a different cultural background and, you know, they just eat more. It's more of a cultural thing or, you know, they are getting food that they just cannot stand um, because these food things are meant for um, more, I would say, culturally, less culturally diverse um, uh, folks. Um, so like, a lot of people just cannot stand peanut butter <laughs> and peanut butter is a staple, but that's a very sort of Americanized food stuff that, you know, I would love that. I would love getting that. I grew up in, you know, the Midwest, but a lot of people can barely stomach it. So, you know, just sort of seeing those and, you know, other stories just very similar to that, but just these sort of stories about, you know, these different sort of challenges was very, very eye opening um, and sort of led our research in a, into a, you know, a little bit of a different sort of direction. Absolutely. So let's dig into this a little bit and let's just start. Um, Haley and Caleb, you had mentioned SNAP, and this is one of the first barriers that you highlight in the report is SNAP participation in this region of Kansas. So tell me about that. Why, why is that a barrier? Absolutely. So um, just for some context, the SNAP, SNAP Food Assistance or uh, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program uh, used to be called food stamps. Some folks still call it food stamps. Um, it is the largest food assistance program administered by the USDA. Um, we really do believe and, and the research shows that SNAP is 
the main way that we can reduce poverty and hunger in America. Um, we know in Kansas, the research shows us this. Um, it is a really, really great tool. Unfortunately, we also know that um, many Kansans across the board are not utilizing um, this program for one reason or another. We'll touch, I think, on some state policy here later. Um, but in Southeast Kansas specifically, um, SNAP participation has de decreased significantly over the last few years. Um, but we know that the need for this assistance is still there. Um, not only based on the conversations that Caleb has been having across the region, but also, you know, the data and the statistics are showing us that. Um, specifically, the number of people who are food insecure in Southeast Kansas went up during the COVID-19 pandemic, um, reaching almost 30,000 Southeast Kansans. But during that same time, about 6,500 fewer people had access to SNAP, um, which is a decrease of nearly 25% since 2015. Um, and so, you know, as an organization, we saw what, as an organization, I think everyone saw um, what happened during the pandemic. The need for food was real. Um, I think all of us and anyone listening to this can probably recall seeing the news, you know, on, on TV, the, um, the food banks with the lines just astronomical. And so it, it is really, uh, frightening when we knew that, you know, SNAP participation actually went down during this time. Yeah, and Caleb, I was wondering, you know, what did you hear about this when you were do you talking to folks in Southeast Kansas? We know that 2020 was a time of intense need, and yet, you know, we see that people were not going into the program. So what were you hearing about that? Probably the biggest thing I heard just from almost everybody I spoke to was just, there's a stigma. Um, and it just seemed even stronger um, during this pandemic because everybody said they kind of felt, you know, like, everyone, like their neighbors were watching them, um, right? People were at work less, um, people were staying home more, and it just, you know, that, those sort of small town neighborhood eyes just really felt like they were magnified, and there was this stronger stigma associated. So that's what the people I talked to anyway said was, probably the biggest thing that was stopping them from getting help when they probably needed it the most. Yeah. And I mean, that's something about, uh, you know, Southeast Kansas. I, I spent some time there as a, as a kid when I was growing up, you know, kindergarten, first grade, people might not appreciate it in other areas of the state. It's a, it's a place of a lot of small towns. It's very rural. It, yes, it really is very, very rural. And people do sort of forget how, how big this region is and yet how small it is um you know there's something like three or four hours that i'll have to drive sometimes to go from pittsburgh um you know up to the, the edge of southeast kansas and back but yet all these you know small little dots are just very self-contained and you know i grew up in a small town i have a little bit of an idea of what that's like um you know people just you know they keep an eye on those neighbors and they they want to make sure that folks are, uh, you know, conforming, I guess, sometimes. Um, yeah, so so let's um, let's kind of move on to, I mean, what's funny is I'm saying move on because it's the next thing in the report, and yet so many of these things are interrelated. Um, what are some of the state policy barriers to that are keeping people from food, that are keeping people, you know, from accessing these programs? Uh, you know, how do these play into it? 
Absolutely. Um, you know, I will touch on on the biggest one that we've seen and something that we're gearing up for in the 2022 legislative session. Um, but that is, you know, in 2015 and 2016, the Kansas State Legislature passed a series of bills. Um, proponents called that the HOPE Act. Uh, and basically what this did was put into place um, much more difficult, or sorry, it made it much more difficult for Kansans to access SNAP food assistance, um, temporary assistance for needy families or TANF and childcare assistance. Um, it really, really did create a lot of hurdles for a lot of Kansans. Um, specifically to this report, one of the policies enacted in the HOPE Act um, is conditioning child support cooperation to receive uh, SNAP benefits. And so this means that custodial and non-custodial parents must be willing to work with child support services to receive SNAP. Um, and if they don't, they cannot receive SNAP. And so, you know, Caleb, if, if you'd like to touch on this more, but what, what I heard and what I heard from you is that many, 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 if not most of these conversations that um, were happening in Southeast Kansas, this child support cooperation that comes from this um, legislation in 2015 and 2016 was identified as a really, really big challenge and barrier to many who needed SNAP food assistance in Southeast Kansas. Um, I can say, you know, we have a couple other colleagues who are, who are specifically working on hunger, and I know that they've been having conversations as well, um, specifically on this. And so we are hearing from a lot of Kansans that this is um, a, a problem that needs a solution quickly. And yeah, I'll only just, uh, you know, throw in that, yeah, um, people were constantly telling us this is, this is a safety issue um, oftentimes, um, even if it's not, even if it doesn't go to that level, even if it's not a safety issue, it's a, just a incredibly, it's a difficult, you know, situation to be in to sort of have to track down somebody that you don't necessarily want in your life, even if they're not dangerous, um, you know, you have to go through those sort of like four or five layers of friends and, you know, find this contact information and, you know, who knows what they're going to say when you get there. And also just that, even another layer of just that little bit extra stigma of, well, I don't, you know, I don't know where this other parent is. And, you know, you, you feel a little bit judged sometimes. Um, you know, that's probably, you're probably making the absolute right decision um, to not be in that person's life, but, you know, people can be judgy, especially in small towns like in Southeast Kansas of that situation. Well, and, and just to reiterate for folks who may be listening to this, we're talking about food, like the access, what we're predicating on this child care support enforcement is actually the ability just to eat. And it's, it's such a, a basic human need and, you know, adding all of this, this very fraught, you know, kind of emotional and social um, stuff on top of it is really difficult. Um, Absolutely. Clay, could I share one of the, from one of the quotes that we um, received from one of um, uh, a Southeast Kansan who was, uh, is experiencing this? Please do. Excellent. Um, so, I guess this was a Southeast Kansan who works in social services, so um, deals a lot with child support cooperation day in and day out to help um, others get on food, uh, food assistance. Um, so the quote is, child support cooperation is a problem. If you owe and aren't paying, you can't get food assistance. So people who can't get a job to afford childcare, sorry, 
who can't get a job to afford child support can't feed themselves while they look for a job. And I think that hits the nail on the head with what you were just saying is um, when we talk about food, we're not just talking about food, right? We're also talking about um, the ability to pay a utility bill or you know a, a car bill, whatever that looks like. These economic barriers really do compound against each other. Um, we saw it heightened in the pandemic um, and we're still seeing it now. Absolutely. And so kind of the next barrier that's highlighted, and I feel like we've circled around this one a little bit too, uh, just in terms of the kind of area that Southeast Kansas is, is transportation. So I wondered if you could um, outline that for me. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I know Caleb had many meetings down in Southeast Kansas, and that was another thing that was, um, that really came up multiple, multiple times, um, was just lacking transportation to even access food. Um, and it really is a large barrier. And so, um, you know, many of the residents really did identify the lack of transportation compounds, other issues they may be, um, you know, facing such as paying for rent, utilities and groceries for themselves and their families. Um, just kind of to throw out a statistic, um, there's some new data from the USDA and so multiple census tracts in uh, Crawford, Cherokee and Neosho counties have poverty rates of at least 20%. And in those, uh, in these census tracts, at least 100 households are without vehicles that are more than half a mile um, from the nearest supermarket or grocery store. So um, folks aren't even able to access, um, you know, food in a lot of areas. I think another challenge uh, when we talk about transportation is, is a food deserts and lack of grocery stores as well. Um, I don't think we have a whole lot of, of, of talk about food deserts in this report specifically, though we do know that it, it, it exacerbates all of these other issues. And just to, you know, Haley kind of hit the nail on the head, but, you know, uh, just being, you know, so far away from things, you know, people who have cars in Southeast Kansas are sort of the, the, the norm that everyone wants to sort of conform to. So people say in Arma, which is a town, maybe 30, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, roughly outside of uh, Pittsburgh, um, you know, they're very okay if they have a car and have the means to drive into Pittsburgh and go to Aldi or Walmart or, um, you know, any one of those like four or five kind of big grocery stores. But folks who don't have access to um, a, a reliable vehicle, they're kind of stuck. There's not really a, or at least in the past, there hasn't been a good grocery store in town. So they're stuck with something like a, like a Dollar General. And even the Dollar General, which is maybe, you know, just on the outskirts of town, it's still set up for somebody with a vehicle. Um, it's across uh, the highway. So these people have to, who don't have a car, you know, they have to get over there somehow. So, you know, they'll be on, you know, like whatever, like running across the highway just to get some food. And the food that they have access to when they get there is pretty sparse. It's not a full grocery store. It's mostly snacks with, you know, maybe a few frozen things here and there. Maybe if they're lucky, um, there's a, you know, some produce, maybe, maybe. So it's just, it's, it's a really tough situation. And, you know, just think about how hard that is without sort of public transportation, you know, Southeast Kansas, you know, it's, it's not big towns. It's not like a Wichita or a Kansas city or anything like that. So, you know, it's just, there, there, there's not a bus, there's not, you know, there's not um, any of those sort of uh, infrastructure 
um, that people are sort of take for granted if they live in sort of more urban settings. So just physically getting those groceries back, even if they have the means, otherwise it's just, you know, how are you gonna do it? It, it? It's a challenge. Caleb, you touched on dollar stores and I just, Clay, I'd just like to share um, a couple weeks ago, we did a, a webinar and Facebook Live on this report as well. And actually, um, many Southeast Kansans joined us for the call, and it was a really, um, really great conversation. But some folks had brought up, you know, sure, there is a dollar store, right, you know, right nearby, but, um, you know, the dollar store doesn't have healthy, nutritious meals, right? They have maybe some, a couple frozen dinners. Um, they've got, you know, packaged, um, processed food. And so, you know, maybe the only healthy option you might be able to get is a, a couple bananas. And so, um, you know, all, I just, I guess I want to reiterate that all of the issues that we've talked about today and, and are talking about today really do compound against each other to, to make families who may be, you know, facing hardship struggle even more. Well, and I've also read that when it comes specifically to dollar stores, if you look at the per item price of things that are purchased in a dollar store, it's often higher than if you were to buy them from a, a big box store or just your ordinary supermarket. You know, in other words, you're paying for the supposed convenience of, of these stores that oftentimes will go where very few other stores are. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right on that. So yeah, so let's let's talk. so I think we've we've talked about the you know the substantial challenges that uh, we see in Southeast Kansas uh, with access to SNAP, with these uh, barriers uh, in state law, uh, with the transportation challenges. So what are some of the ways that you guys are looking at to address this? What are some of the the possible solutions? Absolutely. So I, I can start by just talking about, um, you know, the need to make SNAP more accessible to Southeast Kansas residents. Um, there are many ways that we can do this. Um, of course, every one of them really does have its challenges. Um, one is the online purchasing program. So in summer of 2020, um, Governor Kelly uh, got Kansas approved to offer online purchasing through SNAP food assistance, um, and that can be utilized at Walmart and Amazon. Um, so really just be, by being able to purchase groceries online really helps and works better for Kansas families. It also adds safe options for families to get their groceries um, during COVID and you know, outside of COVID as well. So this is one way. The other way that I really wanna brag about the amazing, amazing work that's going on in Southeast Kansas is the Double Up Food Bucks program. Um, this program makes me probably more excited than most anything else I work on. And I get to work on a lot of really, really cool things. Um, so what the Double Up Food Bucks program is, is it allows SNAP food assistance recipients uh, incentive, incentives to buy fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, it actually provides a dollar for dollar match for SNAP recipients up to $25 a day. Um, and th these can be used at participating grocery stores and farmers markets. Um, Southeast Kansas has actually one of the largest, if not the largest, um, number of sites participating in this program. Um, there are actually 18 sites participating in this. So again, what it does is, um, you know, Kansan who, who utilizes SNAP food assistance can go to a participating grocery store 
or um, you know, there's a many in Southeast Kansas, especially many farmers markets that do this, and they can um, you know get up to $25 per day back to spend on fresh foods and vegetables. Um, so this is a really exciting um, program. I also just want to highlight the amazing work that Southeast Kansans have been doing on Double Up Food Bucks. Um, man, when when you talk about this program down there, um, everyone knows about it and everyone knows somebody that has been helping to make it happen. So um, just want to shout out the incredible folks that have been working on that. And then, you know, kind of looking forward to this upcoming legislative session kicking off in January, what things uh, might uh, Appleseed be thinking about advocating for then? Absolutely. You know, in the 2021 legislative session, our legislators had the opportunity to one in the requirement of child support cooperation uh, on SNAP and child care assistance through, I think it was House Bill 2371. Um, we have that opportunity again this year. Uh, advocates are going to have to work to reintroduce this bill. Um, it died last year. Um, and we must ensure that it receives a floor vote. Um, you know, Southeast Kansans are telling us that, that this is the solution to, to know, you know, their hardships with the child support cooperation. So um, we're ready to gear up for that fight with, we have amazing partners who are working on this across the state, like Kansas Action for Children and others um, who really are taking a lead on this. And then additionally, um, Kansas Appleseed is also gearing up to take on another piece of, of this so-called HOPE Act, um, and that is a lifetime ban on SNAP food assistance and TANF cash assistance if a Kansan has more than one drug felony. Um, this is a really large hardship for a lot of Kansans that we know needs to be changed, and so um, we, we, we were hopeful we could get it done in 2021, um, but we must get it done in 2022. Um, there are a lot of other um, pieces of the HOPE Act that, <clears throat> sorry, need to be repealed and changed so that SNAP um, and TANF can work better for Kansans. But um, right now, I think that's those are the two battles that we're gearing up for in 2022. So both Haley and Caleb, thank you so much for joining me uh, today. I just wanted to ask, as we kind of wrap up, is there, are there any kind of final thoughts that you have, anything that's come to mind about the task and about the, the challenges and opportunities that, that, that you guys have in, in looking at this um, real need in Southeast Kansas? Caleb, I can go first if that's all right. Um, you know, this really was a unique, unique report and we touched on this earlier. Um, I just really wanna share that, you know, at Appleseed, we really do believe that those closest to the problem are closest to the solution and uplifting and hearing folks who may be experiencing hunger and hearing what their solutions to, to, to their you know, issues may be is really important. And that's something that we um, tried our best to do in, in this report and going forward, we're going to do as well. Um, yeah, and, and I, I do wanna just thank the folks that did you know, meet with Caleb across the region because um, they that's vulnerable that's a vulnerable thing to do and um you know we hope that that this report and this work can lead to better outcomes for all kansans and just to reiterate what haley said um i think it is really important that folks who are affected by hunger 
sort of help sort of lead the lead the charge, lead the the fight for change. Um, and they are doing it, as we saw during this report. People were very willing to talk to us. Um, and almost in all in all aspects, they were very willing to sort of, you know, this these are the problems. This is what's going on. You know, how can we kind of make some change? And so that's just what I always sort of advocate for is people using their voice, um, speaking to their legislators and just, you know, making sure that they get out there and you know, make sure that change is made. Great. Well, thank you both for taking the time uh, today to talk with me and to be on the Kansas Reflector podcast.